0: The global data intelligence company Morning Consult is out with a state of retail and e-commerce report that looks at how people are shopping and what they expect from that shopping experience here two years into the COVID-19 pandemic. We wanted to dig into this report, so we caught up with Claire Tassin. She is the retail and e-commerce analyst for Morning Consult. Interesting stuff. Give a listen. So to start, the state of retail and e-commerce, what was this report all about? What were you looking for?
1: Well, over the last two years, with all of the impact of the pandemic on consumer shopping, one of the biggest questions that I've heard from leaders in the retail industry is how sticky are some of these new consumer behaviors? So knowing, for example, that consumers are shopping online um, in more categories and much more often than they had been at, you know when stores were closed or when there was some hesitation to go to stores, there became this question of is this the future of retail or what will retail look like when people do feel safe returning to stores again? And now most people are much more comfortable shopping in stores. So this report really takes a look at the current state of the industry from the perspective of consumer shopping habits, both online and in stores.
0: And it's important to note, this is not just US, this is global. You, you, you talk to people, got feedback from people in multiple countries, correct?
1: Yes. So we primarily looked at U.S. data, but we also surveyed around the world. We have um, survey from the U.K., Australia, China, France, Germany, and Mexico, in addition to U.S. data, all in this report.
0: So kind of give me the biggest takeaway for you overall. Was there a headline piece of data or pieces of data that really jump out at you?
1: It's like asking me to pick my favorite child. Um, (laughs) I'd say I think the the one that is the most helpful framing for the situation that we're in right now is that consumer comfort with in-store shopping has met its high watermark from last summer. So we've recovered from the Omicron and Delta variants that sent people back to shopping in their homes. People are back to shopping in stores. And Uh, if I can have sort of a 1B of my favorite uh, of my top rank stat, we're also seeing um, a flattening in the growth of e-commerce utilization from consumers, meaning that people, that that sort of acceleration of e-commerce has really tapered off.
0: And that kind of surprises me because I thought it would just be something that you would have a a segment of users that would continue, that would never go back, and it would just kind of grow. Did that surprise you that it's kind of leveled off there or was there only so much room to grow
1: so great question. It did not surprise me, but there is still enormous room to grow. So I want to be clear, what leveled off is not sort of the rate of e- of shopping online in general. It's the, the sort of the rate of growth. So people have effectively been shopping online at the same rate for the last year, at least in the U.S. There's some international variability in that data. Um, but for the most part, that growth has really stabilized. So now what we're looking at is people are shopping online much more often with that kind of learned behavior from the pandemic, but are are now also returning to stores. So we're more likely to be doing things like checking inventory before you actually get in your car to drive to the store to make sure that trip is still a good use of your time and really utilizing a lot of those digital tools that are available online, whether you're shopping in store or online.
0: The socioeconomic status, did you notice, you know, people more affluent shop online more? Yes. The, you know, poor people still go into stores. Did you have that kind of breakdown?
1: Yes, we do. So we can, um, we have an enormous amount of data here. We can look at this every kind of way. And yes, and this is this has been true, you know, pre-pandemic as well. But people who make less tend to shop online less. So in our data, we break that out with. Consumers who, with a household income of under $50,000 annually in the U.S., uh, do tend to shop in stores at a much higher rate than um, consumers who are wealthier. There's a number of reasons for that. One is shipping isn't always free, so it takes out a bigger chunk of your budget. But there's also just some kind of differences in perception of where you will have the best shopping experience, where you're going to get the best deal based on Um, what we see when we can look at the drivers of online and in-store shopping by different income groups.
0: One of the things that jumped out to me is you have a section that kind of talks about consumers aren't driving the push for faster delivery. That's right. Is it more competition between brands and companies that's that's pushing it more than customers saying, I need this in two hours or I need this tomorrow?
1: Right. That's exactly what it is. So what I hear in the industry, you, you may have seen this as well, if you're tracking a lot of retail headlines, but there are so many startups, especially in big cities. So I live in Chicago. I hear a lot about this from you know people in New York where there's a ton of competition to see who can get your groceries the fastest. There are startups that promise to deliver your groceries in under 30 minutes. There's some that can are even stretching that to under 15 minutes, which seems ludicrously fast, right? Um, so there are some questions sort of emerging from even for who are not in the grocery category, but from retail leaders saying, is 30 minutes the new two-day shipping, right? Amazon taught a lot of people that you can deliver your orders in two days or less. And then now we're worried that this is going to push that consumer expectation much Further And from what we are surveying consumers on today, that's just not the case. Most people are more than happy to have their standard online purchases delivered in about a week's timeframe, or at least in less than five days. Grocery is a little bit different. We tend to want that same day. Um, but for most categories, people are happy to get their, uh, their deliveries, um, at least in the US, within about a week. Other countries, though, have far different expectations. Our data found that China, which is unexpected, and as well as Mexico, had much faster delivery expectations than the U.S., um, even Germany and the, and the U.K. have higher expectations than U.S. consumers do.
0: And that really surprises me because it, it, it kind of feels like an American society where people put videos on TikTok if they don't get what they want at a store and you know, complain about it. Uh, that, that to me just seems to kind of go against the narrative of the American consumer.
1: It, that's not most people, though. I think you know that you, that's kind of a squeaky wheel situation, or certainly, it's, and it's nor, it's understandable to be frustrated, especially with some of the logistics and supply chain challenges that people have been struggling with, um, especially on the holidays. It was kind of hard to get your hands on some of those really coveted items. So I'm very sympathetic to that. This is more just thinking in general. If you you know you're buying a pair of shoes online, you don't need them to come that afternoon. You're fine to wait a few days for for those to arrive. We do see though. Um, we also collect data about who. Who is actually experiencing these delays? So just over a third of US consumers told us that they had a delayed shipment um, in January. And that's been a pretty consistent number for the last four months since we started tracking that data. Um, and there's some kind of some interesting nuance in who's getting the blame, if it's at the brand or the delivery provider. And that does tend to shift a little bit over time.
0: What is the future or what does this data tell you about the future of brick and mortar? Because I think that was one of the i remember some retail interviews i did the first couple months of the pandemic you had a lot of people saying oh i don't know we we could see mass closures we could you know see these empty malls and i don't want to say it's been great by any means and we've seen a lot of closures but i feel like we never hit that catastrophic level of of store closing what what does the data tell you about what we should expect about the future of brick and mortar
1: so I as an analyst have always been a, a really a big fan of Brick and Mortar it adds enormous value couple things to think about here first is that most people prefer to shop in store. So, if you have a preference of where you shop, that tends to lean toward in stores. Most retail transactions, the vast majority, happen in stores. And there's uh, another research organization, Coresight Research, tracks the number of store announcement or store opening announcements and store closing announcements every year. In 2021, More stores opened than closed, and they're forecasting the same for 2022. If you go back in time a few years, um, there's been this conversation about the retail apocalypse, which keeps getting forecasted and never really happens. I could kind of go on a long tangent about retail square footage in the US, but the important thing to know is that more stores are opening than are closing, but you really are seeing some shifts in retailers' We could call it right sizing their square footage or making sure that it's in the right places And then there's a lot of really interesting stuff when you unpack what types of stores tend to be opening more than closing. So, for example, Dollar General is really leading the charge with a lot of these store openings in rural areas. There's one every
0: 30 feet in my area, and I'm only kind of exaggerating. Go ahead. No,
1: they're (laughs) everywhere, and they're continuing to expand at a really, really fast clip. So when we look to the future of stores, so much of that is this really aggressive expansion of Discount and off-price retail, and much of that is happening in rural areas. Um, In urban areas, you know, I live in in the city of Chicago. There's a lot of empty, uh, you know, retail real estate, a lot of empty storefronts around that I see. So, so while there are more stores opening, it's not at all even where that's happening, and to what and what types of stores are opening and closing.
0: Is there a type of store that is really in trouble? And I don't mean necessarily, I don't mean a company like this company, but the the type you talk about, we're seeing this explosion of the the dollar stores and such. Uh, Is there a type that we can really kind of pinpoint that has struggled the most when it comes to brick and mortar?
1: Yeah. It's, it's what we're seeing is kind of like the classic suburban mall stores are the ones that are having a lot of trouble. Um, You know, there's some, some larger brands are closing a lot of stores as well. We're seeing that in some convenience stores, um, drug stores, that type of thing. But for the most part, you know, we can under, we can see what's happening, you know, with store closure announcements, you know, the suburban mall is, is really struggling in that sort of format in this analysis, we dug into the drivers of shopping online versus shopping in store for different target demographics for each of those store types. And I want to be transparent: this is a really blunt instrument to get at some of these trends and to uncover the why behind some of these trends. But what we found is, when, you know, when you were looking at sort of your classic discount shopper, the promise of, of good deals and coupons and promotions is a really strong driver to go to store. If You're looking at a really affluent shopper and a more urban shopper, the promise of what we in the industry call experiential retail, um, sort of those like brand building experiences. Those are powerful drivers to go to store. But if you're going to an average store where you know, it's hard to hire frontline retail workers right now. So maybe the inventory isn't well stocked. The clothing racks are a little bit messy. It's hard to get customer service and you're going to get the same prices online that you might in store. There just isn't really a strong driver for that kind of murky middle to get in their car and drive to the store. It's much more convenient to shop online pretty universally across all demographics. And most of these folks think they're going to get better customer service online than they will in store.
0: When it comes to comfort with shopping in store, is it pretty much universal? Uh, the the levels of people that have been able to put I don't want to say put COVID concerns behind them, but kind of take the deep breath and deal with it that they're ready to to go in. Is it skewed younger to nor younger to older? What did you find?
1: At the top line, actually just this week, we are start, we're kind of meeting that uh, high water mark that we got to last summer for in-store comfort, but it's not even to answer your question. So Folks who are still a little less comfortable shopping in stores tend to be older demographics, specifically baby boomers, makes a ton of sense given the variability in uh, the risk of COVID-19 for older populations. So that just stands to reason. Um, Even though baby boomers typically are are a more store-friendly generation, there's still some concern and reticence about getting back to stores. And then just consistent with um, what we talked about a little bit earlier with the uh, variation in in store shopping, lower income consumers. So, households making less than $50,000 annually are also less likely to be comfortable um, shopping in stores right now. That's also kind of just um, based on net comfort shopping in stores and just sort of that, that familiarity of habit. So, um, there's, you know, there's they're going to stores more. They're sort of seeing those mask policies. They're they're out there a little bit more. They they don't necessarily have the option, so they're still shopping in stores. It's just there's a little bit of hesitance to do so. So, for anyone you know in retail communications and marketing listening to this, it, we unfortunately cannot yet drop our uh, communications about mask policies and safety measures that are taking place in stores. There's still a lot of people who are still concerned.
0: Let's assume for a moment we live in a world where we are finally on the exit ramp to. The pandemic and i know listen to this in three months and giggle uh <laughs> but do you think there will be a lot of movement in these numbers when it comes to shopping in a world where you know covid is no longer front and center or do you think we're pretty close to what retail customer behavior will kind of look like uh, regardless of the situation
1: I think we're getting there. The last few weeks have seen a pretty steep climb in consumer comfort shopping in stores, really since the uh, Omicron variant started to decline. So I would imagine that we're going to continue to see foot traffic in stores grow. Uh, I know a lot of retailers are already reporting that their foot traffic, is, foot traffic, excuse me, is exceeding 2019 levels. So I think you know from some of those indicators, both in our own data and what we're seeing in the industry. We're kind of there in terms of what this new mix of e commerce and online shopping is looking like. You know, people are back out shopping in stores, they're still shopping online at a much higher rate than they were pre pandemic. and so much of those investments that retailers have made to make those shopping experiences easier, easier, whether that's like high-tech, you know, augmented reality for at-home try-ons or just better inventory integrations that make it easier to um, know what you're going to find when you get to a store. Those are tools that shoppers will continue to use. So I think really what we're seeing now is more of that blend of shoppers, you know, using all of the tools available to them, regardless of what channel they're checking out on.
0: I think when we have these types of discussions a lot of people kind of picture the Walmarts and the Targets and that's sure. what's banging around in your head when you're thinking about this how difficult a time do or what do these numbers say for the small business the the independent niche store you know that cuz it sounds like you've got to be prepared to fight well on both fronts in store and online and if you've got a wide employee base you can do that mm-hmm. but for smaller businesses what do these numbers tell you is it going to be a uh, tough sledding
1: you know i think the small kind of local retail shops have their own set of differentiators you often know you're going to have a great experience shopping in the store you're going to have owners and staff who really want to make sure that you have a good experience and come back. So I think kind of going back to some of those store versus online drivers, they're really, really strong on those store drivers. I know a lot of small retailers have had to really scramble though. They have, you know, learned how to sell on Instagram live and kind of showed you around their store when they couldn't be open. So there's been a lot of, um, Duct tape and WD forty, as I like to say, to kind of put it together and make it work. But maybe they they can't, they don't necessarily have the ability to invest in some of these higher tech solutions. So in that case, I think it's just it's more about continuing to emphasize that differentiated experience in store, and then when you can kind of extend that into social media, if you do have e commerce stood up online, a lot of it I've and I see this a lot in my own shopping is you know reminding people that you are a small business, that you're not working out of a huge warehouse with an Enormous staff to, to get orders packed. And it's really, I think right now, a lot of expectations management. But again, those stores often have a really strong value-based connection with their shoppers. So they, they that's really the asset that they can lean on.
0: And for bigger retailers, what would be the message you would portray to them from what you learned in this data?
1: That, that all of those big investments and in, Uh, everything I just mentioned, all that technology that we've stood up to make a, you know, easier, more personalized shopping experiences are certainly not for naught, even as folks are coming back into stores. I'd really think about opportunities to bring some of that tech into the physical space and not just leave that on people's laptops or on their phones. And, you know, remembering that the, you know, if you have a phone in your pocket in these stores, people are checking online reviews and kind of, and other, you know, using the internet in their pocket to, um, to augment that in-store experience. So I would really be thinking about ways to highlight that and you know, using QR codes on shelf tags and things of that nature to, because um, you know we can all use a QR code now that we've been using it for restaurant menus for two years. Um, so using those as opportunities to really connect that brick and mortar experience to all those in digital, the digital investments that you've made.
0: And the, the state of retail report, is this something you guys revisit
1: every quarter. So this will be updated quarterly going forward. So this is the first one. We're really excited for the launch and um, you can expect another one out in May.
0: That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon and we'll have another episode out soon.